0: day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All this peace forevermore on the happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day, that will be. No sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day What a day, glorious day, that will be. What a day, glorious day, that will be.
1: Well, praise God, that will be a wonderful and glorious day. I praise God uh, for Zach and Samantha both. I praise God for that surgeon that fixed your uh, wrist so that you could play the piano again. Uh, evidently, the surgeon did a good job, amen? Uh, thank you, Zach and Samantha both. Appreciate your faithfulness and in, in your song. Uh, Romans chapter four this morning, please. Let's turn to Romans chapter four this morning. Uh, we understand uh, that we'll be uh, with the Lord in his presence one day because of Christ uh, and specifically because of what he has accomplished for us uh, upon the cross. Has the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, accomplished something for you on the cross at Calvary? Uh, yes, he did. He paid the price that we deserve to pay uh, for our sin. Are, are, are you guilty of sin this morning, church? Yeah, we are. We, we understand that. But we also understand that we have a, a God, a God the Father who loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son, uh, a perfect sacrifice, to die in our place. Now, uh, last week in chapter 3, we began looking at, well, a variety of the, the doctrinal uh, elements that factor into what Christ accomplished for us, uh, on the cross, gave you that handout with some definitions, um, probably made it feel complicated, but as we work through some of those words and uh, begin to define some of those words that may have been less familiar, uh, you get excited, right? You begin to understand the, uh, the, the nature of exactly what's been accomplished and sort of the mechanics of, of, of our salvation. It's wonderful, it, it's, it's encouraging, you, you can get excited about that. Uh, this morning, we'll, we'll continue kind of along the same lines uh, into uh, Romans chapter 4. And remember, the first half of Romans, the Lord has Paul uh, to be dealing with uh, the fact that everyone needs to be saved. He developed that idea pretty well, amen? Uh, that's, that's the Lord working through Paul to do that. Uh, he developed the idea that everyone has sinned, and therefore everyone needs a way of forgiveness. Uh, we've seen that. Uh, we've seen the idea that um, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and what he accomplished is is the only answer. I was reading one man this week, his his commentary on the book of Romans, I won't read a lot of what he said, but let me share just a couple of thoughts that that he wrote. He said, the question raised and answered in Romans is this. How can sinful, unrighteous men attain God's righteousness? That really is the question, right? He says, the answer is this. God gives or imputes the righteousness of Christ to those who repent and trust in him. That's it. That's it. That's the only answer uh, to the problem that we all have, the sin problem we all have. Uh, That's it. The righteousness of Christ is literally paid onto our account, the account that we have due with God the Father because of our sin when we turn to Christ, repent, and place our faith in him, his righteousness and the penalty that he paid on the cross gets paid onto my account. And that account gets stamped, paid in full, sister, once and for all. And nothing can change it. Isn't that wonderful? Nothing can change that. This morning we see this idea of imputation, to put onto someone's account or to pay onto someone's account. Uh, Their underlying word that's translated impute or imputation shows up uh, 10 times in this chapter. One time you'll see it's translated counted, we'll see that. Six times impute or imputeth, uh, three times as reckoned. They all have the same idea. They all come from the same underlying word. This wonderful idea that Christ's righteousness is paid on to our account, satisfying our debt for our sin. That's the theme of this chapter. It's a wonderful theme. Would you stand with me just for a minute? If you're able to stand this morning, would you stand uh, just for a minute? I want to read just a short portion of what we'll see this morning. Maybe we'll read the first six or so verses. We'll stop and pray Uh, And we'll jump into this this wonderful chapter. Here in verse 4, Romans chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says this. What then, let me try that again. What shall we say then? That Abraham, our father, as pertaineth to the flesh, has found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham... Back in Genesis, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for what, church? Righteousness. Now, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for, what is it, church? Righteousness even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth, what church? Righteousness without works. You can't earn it. It's by grace. It's undeserved. Simple, humble, repentant faith in Christ. The effect is his righteousness imputed Paid onto our account. That's how we're forgiven. That's how you get saved from the consequence of sin. That's how you stay saved from the consequence of sin. Uh, This morning, the imputation of righteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you so much this morning for sending your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christ of Scripture, Father, thank you for the cross where the price due for my sin, the penalty for my sin, was paid. Not by me, but by your only begotten Son. Lord, thank you so much this morning that you've revealed this wonderful plan. Certainly not a plan that we would have or could have conceived of, but one that you did conceive of for our salvation, for our redemption. The righteousness of your only begotten Son paid onto my account because he paid the penalty due for my sin upon the cross. Lord, I thank you so much this morning that anyone and everyone who would turn to Christ with a simple, humble, repentant faith can know forgiveness. The penalty that Christ paid on the cross imputed or paid onto our account. Father God, thank you, Lord, so very much for this great truth. Lord, thank you for your truth. Thank you for the privilege to read it, to study it, to spend time together in it this morning. Lord, we understand this morning there's some complications, some difficult things uh, in the book of Romans, but we can understand it together. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who aids our understanding. Lord, work here now in these next few minutes. Help us. Encourage us. I pray, Father, if there's one or two or more this morning who've never placed their faith in Christ and had his righteousness paid on to their account, satisfying the debt that's due. Lord, I pray this morning that Today would be the day that they make that decision. Lord, you said today is the day of salvation, and indeed it is. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you for the privilege to preach your words. Meet with us now, Lord. Encourage us now in this wonderful truth, the doctrine of imputation and justification by grace through faith, not of works. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Are you thankful this morning for the Lord Jesus Christ? Church, are you thankful? Just in your own heart, just take a moment. Lord, thank you. Father, thank you for sending your only begotten Son. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood that he shed to cover my sins. Thank you for the price that he paid. Thank you that that's what makes possible the payment of his righteousness onto my account. Well, you've seen already this morning as we've looked at, as we've read just a little portion uh, of the chapter, uh, the Lord has Paul uh, to be writing uh, and using the example of Abraham all the way back in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, uh, all the way back in Genesis. Uh, showing us and reminding us what the Lord says about Abraham's uh, salvation all the way back in Genesis, all the way back uh, in the Old Testament. Sometimes uh, people get the idea that in the Old Testament, before Christ came, uh, you could be saved by, by keeping the law, or you could be saved by Doing some religious stuff, some good works, being religious, serving God, doing the things that, that God wanted people to do at that time, uh, made them right with God and uh, caused them to be right in God's eyes, uh, just as the salvation that we know today. That's not what the Bible teaches, though. And And Paul shows us here this morning, he reminds us really what the Bible says about Abraham all the way back in in Genesis. He didn't earn his salvation by obeying God. Uh, He was saved when the Lord's righteousness was imputed onto his account when he believed, when he exercised faithful belief. This has always been God's plan to save his people it is and will continue to be God's only plan to save his people. Aren't you glad we know that this morning? Marilyn, aren't you glad for that? It's God's only plan. It's the only plan we need. It's always been this way. It is and will continue uh, to be this. Let's see here this morning. Well, I don't have a, 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 a nice three-point outline for you this morning, but, but that's okay. Uh, That's okay. We see here this morning uh, righteousness was imputed to Abraham as a result of his faithful belief. Look at verse 1 again. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh uh, hath found? Uh, Bible says in verse 2 very plainly that he was not justified or made righteous in God's eyes through his good works. No, that wasn't the case. Verse 2, for if Abraham were justified by works he whereof, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Um, Paul says, you know what? If Abraham did good works uh, and could have been saved or, or justified or made right in God's eyes through that, he would have had something to glory about, something to uh, to brag about. Of course, that, that would be true. But we see here very quickly Paul's point is that wasn't the case. Yes, he did some things that were right. We'll see eventually he was circumcised, which, which God required uh, in his day. Uh, he did some things, some, some religious works that God required, uh, but those aren't the things that made him right with God. That's not what saved him. Uh, what did save him? Well, it was his faith. Look, look at verse 3. Uh, Paul asked the question, as the Holy Spirit guides him uh, to write these things, he asked this question, for what? saith the scripture uh, what does the bible say about what made abraham all the way back in genesis right with the lord for what saith the scripture back in genesis 3 back in genesis 15 uh, the bible says and and, and paul uh, summarizes here for us he says abraham what are the next two words church abraham what he believed god he believed god he believed god Now, remember last week we talked about the Bible word belief. Uh, It has a lot packed into it. It's it's a little bit more than kind of how we use the word today. Uh, It's it's not just saying I know and accept that something is true. It's that plus the idea that I'm trusting in what I know to be true uh, for some outcome. Uh, I used the example or the illustration last week of uh, of the trust game, right, where uh, someone will stand behind you and, and challenge you to fall back, uh, and, and they'll catch you. Zach, if I did that, would you catch me or not? you try. <laughs> he, he would try, church. Praise God. Uh, he would try. Uh, you, you may stand in front of that person and say, well, I believe that if I fall back, that person uh, would and could catch me. I believe that you could I hope that you would. Uh, I believe that you would and could. But I don't actually exercise faith in what I believe until I fall back and allow you to actually catch me. Right, and, and this is the idea that's built into the Bible word belief. It's, it's um, believing that something is true, but then taking that next step of placing your faith or trust in that which you believe to be true. We made the statement last week that the devil understands, Marilyn, he, he knows that Jesus is the son of God who went to the cross uh, and died and that it's possible because of that if I'll repent of sin and place my faith in Christ and the blood that he shed that the righteousness of Christ will be imputed or paid onto my account. The devil knows that's true but he's not put his faith in or trust in Christ for himself personally. Uh, and so we understand, we, we take care this morning to, uh, to not fall into the trap of just saying, I'm okay because I believe that's true. No, you've got to personally exercise faith. You've got to take the, the plunge back and trust, uh, and, and trust in what you believe is true. Uh, what does the Bible say uh, made Abraham right or righteous in God's eyes? Uh, look at verse 3 with me again. The Bible says, Abraham, what is it, church? Believed God. He, he, he understood uh, some truth. He accepted it and put his trust in that truth. Abraham believed God, and it, that kind of belief, was counted unto him for righteousness. Uh, the word that underlines counted unto it, it, the underlying word is the same exact word that's translated imputed, uh, imputeth, uh, or, or reckoned to. His faithful belief in God and in what God said is what made him uh, right or righteous in God's eyes. It was his faithful belief and that alone uh, that caused the Lord to count or account or pay on to his account righteousness in God's eyes. That was true in Abraham's day. Rich, it's true in our day. It'll continue to be true. This is the only way uh, that we can be made righteous in God's eyes. Uh, Galatians 3.6 says, even as Abraham believed God, it was counted unto him for righteousness. Back in Genesis, make a note, Genesis 15.16, uh, and he believed in the Lord, uh, and he, the Lord, counted it to him, Abraham, for righteousness. Make another note, James 2 and verse 23. Bible says the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was uh, imputed, paid unto his account, imputed unto him for righteousness. Uh, and then you, you may remember, James adds, and he was called the friend of God. Isn't that wonderful? When you've placed your faith in Christ and his righteousness is paid on to your account, Brother Ray, you're added to the family of God. You become a friend of God. Isn't that wonderful? Is that a big deal? You ever, you ever think, oh, I don't have any friends, woe is me. Ever think that? Wish I had some friends, wish I had more friends, wish I had better friends. Say that, wish I had better friends. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Abraham believed God. It was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. What a friend we have in. Because of him, that friend, you could be viewed as a friend of God. Is that a big deal? Marilyn, I think that's a big deal. Remember, before you repent, place your faith in him, before you exercise belief, his righteousness is not imputed onto his our account. The wrath of God is not propitiated, to use the fancy word from last week. It's still upon us. We're still uh, on the enemy's team. We're still very much headed to a very real and and very permanent hell uh, until we make the decision, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know Jesus died for me. And so I'm going to turn and place my faith in him and the blood that he shed to cover my sins and trust that, That simple transaction that follows is all I need. The Lord Jesus Christ's righteousness paid on to my account. Paid in full, paid forever, once and for all. And I get to become the friend of God, Brother Gary. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Uh, Abraham's faithful belief was counted unto him for righteousness. It was counted unto him uh, for righteousness. Look at verse 4. Now unto him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but uh, of debt. If you're trying uh, to earn your way to heaven through religious works, um, you're not trusting in the grace of God. Uh, Grace, by definition, is what? It's undeserved. It's unmerited. It's something that you can't earn. We understand the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Uh, That righteousness is imputed onto our account because of God's grace. It's possible because of God's grace. We exercise faith. Uh, God, God says, okay, in my grace. Uh, I will impute the righteousness of Christ. Not your own righteousness. You've not earned it. Christ earned it. It's by grace. It's been earned by someone else. I don't deserve it. It's grace. Lord, help us to not think, to not fall into that trap, that natural uh, thought pattern that I can earn it. I didn't earn it in the first place. I don't keep it through works through service. Yes, God's called me to serve, but I don't, I've not earned my salvation by serving him. I don't keep my salvation by serving him. It's by grace through faith and the payment that's been stamped, paid in full once and for all. Look at verses 6 and 7. Uh, Paul makes reference to uh, David writing under inspiration back in Psalm uh, 32. He says, you know, all the way back in the Psalms. So there's, there's Abraham in Genesis, and then King David writing under inspiration in the psalms. You know what? He said the same thing. <laughs> God said uh, this truth. Uh, God applied this truth to Abraham back in Genesis. Uh, God applied this truth uh, through David uh, in his inspired writing in the psalms. Look at verse 6. Even as David also describeth the blessedness or the happiness or joy of the man unto whom God, what's the next word? Imputeth what? Without what? Works. David wrote about this back in Psalm 32. Uh, Abraham was saved by faith, uh, by belief. Back in Genesis, come forward to the Psalms, David says the same thing. Uh, Righteousness is imputed or paid onto a man's account without what? Without what? Without good works. It's not about good works. And that's a blessed thing. That's a joyful thing. Uh, It's a a blessed thing. Look at verse 7. David wrote, Blessed are they whose iniquities or sins are forgiven and whose sins are covered Uh, like the blood that was applied to the seat uh, within the Holy of Holies. Uh, Verse 8, Blessed or happy is the man to whom the Lord will not impute uh, sin. Well, praise God. uh, Humble, simple faith in Christ, a humble, repentant faith, causes him, results in his imputing righteousness, not sin, uh, to our account. The Bible says this regarding Abraham. Uh, The Lord gave the same truth to David later in his day uh, and caused him to write these words in Psalm uh, 32. Uh, The Lord now has Paul uh, to go back to the case of Abraham and kind of stick with that throughout the balance uh, of the chapter. And uh, he just continues to develop this idea that it was not Abraham's obedience Uh, that caused him to be justified or righteous in God's eyes. He wasn't so good that God said, okay, you know what? Uh, His goodness outweighs his badness. Is that a word, badness? His his goodness, his good works outweigh his bad works, uh, and therefore I'll view him as righteousness Uh, And he's earned a ticket to heaven. Nope, that's not how it works. The Bible says, nope, that, I understand. Lord, isn't it good the Lord understands that's what we think naturally? Because that is what we think naturally, right? Naturally, we have the idea, you know, I've been pretty good. Uh, If I did some bad stuff, I'll go out and do a couple more good things. The scale will tip this way and I'll be okay. That's what we think naturally. But supernaturally, God has revealed, nope, -uh, that's, that's not it. It's grace through faith in Christ resulting in the righteousness of Christ paid on to our account made possible by the cross uh, and the blood he shed Uh, the Lord uh, illustrates this idea in Abraham's life and says you know what Um, Abraham was circumcised now that's a Jewish thing right Uh, it's an old testament thing Marilyn we, we understand that Uh, The Bible does record uh, in Genesis that Abraham was circumcised. But the Bible also records that he was justified in God's eyes by his belief a number of chapters before he was circumcised. Isn't that good truth? Isn't that a good observation? Uh, It's not that he was circumcised in obedience to God Uh, doing that religious work, being obedient to God, and that that resulted in God saying, okay, you're religious, you did a good religious thing, and therefore I impute righteousness to your account, and you're good with me, come on up to heaven when you die. No, he was made righteous by his belief in God back in Genesis 3, back in Genesis 15, uh, and then, about 15 years later, and two chapters later in Scripture, he circumcised. Look how Paul describes this, please, beginning in verse 9. Cometh this blessedness, the blessedness of being made righteous in God's eyes, then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Church, you know the answer to that question. Was was he made righteous in God's eyes by circumcision or before that? By it or before it? Before it. Before it. We've seen that, and this this is Paul's point. Uh, Verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal or a symbol, or a sign of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that or so that uh, he might be the father of all them that believe, though they, they be not circumcised, that or so that righteousness might be imputed unto them also." You know, you look at this chapter and you say, there, there's some difficulties. There, there's some things to un- that are difficult to understand. But as you just kind of follow it through, uh, little by little, praying, Lord, I'm not sure uh, what exactly is happening here. So I'm going to stop and, and pray and uh, ask you to help me as a saved person who has the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I, I can begin to understand this. I understand exactly what you're having Paul uh, to show me. Abraham was not saved by uh, his goodness, or his works, or his religious practices. Lord, you, you show in, the, in, in Scripture, in the Bible, he was saved uh, by his uh, faithful belief before uh, he was circumcised. Well, okay, uh, maybe it wasn't circumcision. Uh, Paul goes on and says, maybe, maybe it could have been uh, his keeping of the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments and such. Well, think about the Bible timeline for a moment, if you will. Um, did Moses and the law come before Abraham or a good deal after Abraham? Uh, do you remember? Uh, it came a good deal after Abraham. Zach says, I think it was before. Uh, no, you didn't say that. You said it's after. Uh, I'm, pe- I'm picking on you. It's good to pick on Zach, church. Um, whenever you can, Brother Garcia, if you would, please, sir, pick on Zach. Uh, pray for Zach. He started a new job this week, and it's going well, right? Praise God. Praise God. Uh, I believe Zach said, well, no, Moses came well after Abraham. Uh, God gave the law, uh, the Ten Commandments and such, to Moses. Where did he do that? Uh, up on the mount well after uh Abraham was justified or made right made righteous in God's eyes by his belief so no one can say well you know A- Abraham was made right by doing r- religious works nope that came uh, he was made right in God's eyes before uh God said get circumcised uh, okay, he, w- he was saved by keeping the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law. Nope, the Old Testament law came well after Abraham uh, was saved, uh, made righteous in God's eyes through his faithful belief. This is the point of the next couple of verses, and, and, and this is all uh, he's saying here. Verse 13, for the promise that he should be uh, heir of the world that was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law... He didn't get right with God through the law. The law came later, uh, but through the righteousness of, or that is imputed onto your account through faith. Verse fourteen: For if they which are the are of the law be heirs, faith, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression, okay, there's some difficulties there. There's some things there that might be a little bit hard uh, to understand. Do we have laws in the world today? Do we have laws? What's my go-to example, Brother Gary? Um, The traffic laws. I would like to tell you that as we traveled the New York State Thruway this week, for many hours, right, Dad? I thought we were going to have to just like live on the thruway. I felt like we moved to the thruway and that we live there now. It gets kind of long, doesn't it? Um, have you noticed that there are speed limits on the thruway? Marilyn, I never noticed that till this week. I just didn't know. My wife said, hey, you know there's a speed limit. You're, you're a pastor, something like that. She didn't say the last part. She said she did, she did help me to remember that there is a speed limit. Your wife ever remind you of that, Brother Garcia? You don't have to answer me. (laughs) If I was exceeding the speed limit, it revealed that I was what? Breaking the law. But if there was no law, if there was no law, there'd be nothing to break, right? There'd be no uh, sin revealed. By the way, when I broke the speed limit, I was sinning. Amen. We're called to obey the civil laws, right, Marilyn? Up to the point at which doing so would cause us to disobey the Lord. We see that principle in the New Testament, right? So there's, there's civil laws, and when we violate them, that, that reveals that, that we are doing wrong. Uh, that's, that's what the meaning of verse 15. The law worketh wrath, for where there's no law, there's no transgression. What's, what's Paul saying there? He's saying, listen. Not only was Abraham not saved by keeping the law because it came later, that's the implication at least, but what, what Paul's actually saying is that even if he had the law in his day, it, it doesn't keeping it doesn't save you, doesn't impute righteousness to your account, all it can do is reveal that you've done wrong. That's all it can do. The law worketh wrath. It reveals transgression. Uh, It reveals sin. We've mentioned recently, and you already know this, the Bible says the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments being an element of, of the Mosaic law, it's a schoolmaster. It's a teacher. It teaches us, reveals to us, shows us that we are sinners. Anybody here ever broken any of the Ten Commandments? There's my confession. I'm guilty. And so I'm not saved by the law. It reveals to me that I need a savior because I'm a sinner, a transgressor of the law. See, we can understand this. Abraham wasn't saved by the law. It didn't exist yet. Uh, He wasn't saved through his religious works, including circumcision He's made righteous in God's eyes through his faithful belief before God told him to be circumcised and before the law came. Look with me in verse 16. Uh, Paul has been driving to this section of the chapter now. It says, therefore, uh, it, uh, his salvation or his having been made righteous in God's eyes, therefore, it is of what church? What's the F word there? Faith circle it, underline it. It shows up here, uh, it shows up again uh, toward the end here, uh, end of this verse. Therefore it's a faith that it might be by grace, not something that he earned or deserved, but something that's undeserved by definition. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to uh, not to that uh, only which is of the law, but to that uh, also which is of the faith Faith of Abraham, who is father of us all. By the way, that's true in a physical sense, for most people at least, uh, through his various sons. Most of the world might argue all of the world is descended, not just Jews, but Gentiles also, through his various sons. So, in a sense, he's a physical father to the world, but also a spiritual father, one who was saved by faithful belief and grace by which uh, righteousness was then imputed to his account. Uh, he's a spiritual father to us all in, in the sense that he's, he's the example. Uh, he's, he's the example in scripture of that. He's the example laid before us. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations uh, before him whom he believed he believed even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things uh, which be not as though they were. Uh, you remember the account of Abraham, of course. God promised him a what? What did God promise Abraham that he didn't have? A what? A son, right? <laughs> a son. And uh, Abraham and Sarah said, mm, How? <laughs> How's that going to be? God, you know we are very old. They were well beyond the age at which a man and a woman could have a child. Uh, The Bible makes that clear. Uh, How old was Abraham when God gave him the son that God intended to give him? Do you remember? How old? a hundred-ish, right? Right around a hundred, 99 or a hundred, right? How's that possible? Church, how's that possible? Yeah, all things are possible for God. Abraham and Sarah struggled (laughs) at times with that promise, they did, didn't they? But in the end, they exercised faithful belief and God blessed them with the son that he promised. Um, God quickened the dead in, in the sense that he made alive again their ability to have a child, he did that supernaturally. He did that supernaturally. By the way, Marilyn, that that language at least implies the idea that that is a picture of us being made alive again as spiritually, as we exercise faithful belief in the Lord. Um, have you believe? Have you exercised faith that if you repent of sin and place your faith in Christ that you'll be forgiven and that his righteousness has imputed or paid on to your account have you made that decision if you have you've been made spiritually alive again right what you were spiritually dead but you've been quickened you've been made alive again uh, spiritually, The old nature is still there, but now a new nature. You've been made spiritually. You've been born again spiritually and saved from the consequence of your sin, a very real hell, the consequence of sin. By the way, you realize that hell was not created for you, right? It was not created for you, right? Who was it created for? The devil and his demons. That's who it was created for. But anyone who rejects the free gift of salvation available to us by simple, humble, repentant faith in Christ, belief, that kind of belief, um, if you reject the payment that he made and his righteousness being paid onto your account by grace through faith, the only other option available to you is to pay the price yourself in hell right? That's, that's the reality. That's the biblical reality. That's the only other option that's available to us. There's no purgatory in the Bible. It's not there. You can't find it because it's not there. Amen? Just not there. Not in the Bible. You can't say, well, I've been pretty good. I've, I've been, I've lived a good life. Well, you could say that. The Bible says that's not how you're saved. Wasn't that way for Abraham? Wasn't that way for David? Wasn't that way for anybody else? Not that way for us. We're saved by grace through faith in Lord Jesus Christ. He's the way, the only way. That's what the Bible says. Therefore, it is a faith. Verse 16. Abraham exercised faith despite the hopelessness of his situation. Look at verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope? <laughs> that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. When God promised him a son at a very elderly age, his situation seemed hopeless from a human perspective. And yet he exercised a humble, faithful belief, a hope in the Lord and his promise. He exercised faith despite the hopelessness of the situation. Uh, Abraham exercised faith rather than doubt despite the physical impossibility of having a child at an advanced age. Look at verse 19. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And someone might hear the gospel and say, there's no way at all, there's no physical possibility that the death of a man who lived nearly 2,000 years ago, more than 2,000 years ago, uh, could be the basis for my salvation today. It's not physically possible that someone who died all those years ago could be the way that I'm forgiven by God the Father today. You ever heard that? Abraham exercised faith despite the fact that having a child at 90 or 95 or 100 seemed physically impossible. And God gave them that child. We exercise faith that The sacrifice of christ upon the cross is the only way we can be saved despite not understanding how that could be physically see it's not a physical thing it's a spiritual thing it's a supernatural thing gary i don't have one ounce of trouble believing it because the holy spirit has convinced me in my heart that it is the truth Amen? Just showed me in my heart as a young person. That's truth. You don't have to understand how it can be, although the Lord is showing us and explaining the mechanics of it to us. You don't have to understand it. It's just truth. Holy Spirit said, you don't have to understand it. It's just truth. I don't understand how God could be three persons who make up one indivisible God. It's just truth. Brother Ray, I accept it. I have no problem with it. I don't understand how the Lord's going to rapture my body and perfect it. How's he going to do that? He's God. Marilyn, I have no trouble with that. It's truth. He's God. I don't understand how God spoke creation into existence. And not millions of years ago. But he did it. And the Holy Spirit gives me just a perfect peace about that. Abraham exercised faith that glorified God by refusing to doubt God's promise, ultimately. Verse 20, he staggered or doubted not at the promise of God through unbelief. He just just wouldn't, but was strong in what, church? Faith, uh, giving glory to God. When you exercise faith, Even today, even now, that glorifies God. You ever think about that? You exercise faith in the Lord and his promises to you, that gives glory to God. Do you want to glorify God? I do too. Lord, help us to exercise faith in you. uh, To believe your promises are true uh, and to act on what we believe every day to trust you uh, and to make choices that reflect our trust in you. That glorifies God. Lord, help us to have a heart to glorify, uh, to want to glorify you. Abraham exercised faith that God was able to do what he promised. Verse 21, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. God said, I'm going to give you this child in your great, greatly advanced age didn't seem possible, but Abraham believed, uh, refusing to doubt, uh, exercising faith that if God, the God of all creation, the God who spoke creation into existence, uh, made a promise, I will choose to believe that he's able to keep his promise. Do you believe that God is able to keep his promises? How's that possible? It's the Spirit of God working in our hearts, convincing and convicting us. Yeah, the the same God that you've trusted for salvation, he'll keep you saved uh, without works and the law and everything else that people trust in for salvation in the first place. He'll keep you saved, and he'll keep his promises to you. Do you believe that this morning? If you do, take a moment to say, thank you, Lord. You've shown me in my heart, you've convinced me, you've convicted me in my heart that you're a God who's able to keep your promises. I want to thank you for that. Because if you believe that, you don't have to worry about it. Isn't that a good thing? Do you worry about it? I don't worry for a second, Marilyn, that God's going to keep me saved. I don't worry about that. That's the Holy Spirit ministering that confidence to me. By the way, the Bible shows us the Holy Spirit ministers that confidence to us. It's part of His ministry to us. Are you thankful for that? I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry, Brother Steve, when I draw my last breath, am I going to heaven or hell? There's only two options. There's no middle ground. There's no other possibility biblically. I don't have to worry about it. The Lord has shown me that, yes, I'm a sinner, but the minute I exercised a humble, repentant faith in Christ, His righteousness was imputed to my account, stamped, paid in full, forever, period, no question. The Holy Spirit ministers that confidence in my heart. Isn't that wonderful? I didn't have the Holy Spirit until I exercised faith in Christ. I had him by me, convicting me. Now I have him in me, comforting me. Isn't that wonderful? Lord, thank you. Here's the effect. Uh, here's the effect of Abraham's faith. Uh, verse 22 And therefore, based on his faithful belief, therefore, it was what? Imputed. What's that mean? Paid onto his account, reckoned to him. Uh, it was imputed to him. What was? His faithful belief was imputed to him for righteousness. That's it. The righteousness of Christ, his Savior, paid on to his account when he exercised simple, faithful, repentant belief. Now, there's three verses left, and I'm going to read them quickly, um, even though they're probably the most important three verses of the passage. Um, The Holy Spirit has Paul to make it painfully obvious if it isn't already that uh, what was true for Abraham in his day and what was true for David King David in his day uh, and what was true in in the first century when Christ came and uh, and in the first century for for Paul as he ministered as he planted ministered to people in new churches uh, in the first century after Christ ascended back to heaven what was true in the past regarding salvation and the imputation of righteousness is still true. It's, it's still true. It's still the only way. Look at verse 23, please. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for, what is the next word, church, but for us also, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if this is this is an if this is a if then construction if something then something else uh, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe if we exercise faithful trusting belief on him that raised up Jesus our lord from the dead the Jesus who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our what? Our justification, being made right, being made righteous in the eyes of God the Father when we place a simple, humble, repentant faith, a trust in what he accomplished on the cross when he shed his blood and died to pay the price due for my sins that payment gets paid on to my account together with his righteousness paid on to my account and i am made right in the eyes of god the father and i become his friend wow we have some things to rejoice in this morning are we blessed david said we're blessed we're blessed if you've made that decision you are blessed Uh, blessed is that man, happy. Lord, help me to rejoice uh, in in these truths. I don't have to worry if I'm on my way to heaven or on my way to hell. I don't have to worry if I'm a friend of God the Father today or an enemy uh, of God the Father today. I don't have to worry about whose team I'm on today. I don't have to worry about uh, where I'll be when I draw my last breath. I don't have to worry about that. Not because of me, my works, my goodness how religious or not religious i was how obedient or disobedient i've been to god's words but christ and his obedience his sacrifice on the cross and his righteousness paid on to my account when i simply place my trust in him have you made that decision may ask a question this morning why wouldn't anyone accept that offer why wouldn't you accept that offer gary nothing else makes sense nothing else makes sense let's bow our heads please father god thank you lord this morning for your truth it is wonderful truth lord we are so blessed by you to have your words in which you reveal this truth lord we know we have a sin problem We know that in our heart of hearts. There's no question. We know that. We're convicted. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. You've spent three chapters making that clear to us. Lord, we know we have a problem that needs a solution. And that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is that solution. His sacrifice in our place. His righteousness paid on to our account satisfying your wrath at our sin. Father God, thank you, Lord, so very much for revealing this wonderful truth to us. Lord, help us to be grateful. Help us to praise you and worship you even in our hearts in this moment. Father, I pray for anyone here this morning, anyone who can't say, You know, I've not made the decision yet to accept that imputed righteousness, that free offer, the grace available to me. I've not made that decision before, but boy, I recognize today I'm convicted, Father, by you. The Holy Spirit is tapping me in the heart and saying, this is for you, but you've not yet accepted the offer. Lord, I pray for anyone in that position here this morning. Lord, that they would simply agree, confessing, say, Lord, you're right. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. So this morning, I'll take the faith that you've given me, and I'll place it right upon Christ. And I'll trust that you'll impute that payment that he made and his righteousness right straight onto my account, stamping my account paid in full. Lord, by faith, I accept that offer this morning. No one's looking around this morning, eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If that's your decision this morning, I won't embarrass you in any way. I won't call you out. I would like to pray for you. I would like to encourage you privately. If that's you this morning, you're making that decision, would you slip your hand up and slip it down? Pastor, that's me. I'm making that decision this morning. Don't embarrass me, but would you pray for me? Would you encourage me privately? I'm making that decision today. Would you pray for me? How about this church? Are you grateful this morning for the righteousness that's been imputed to your account? You slip your hand up and slip it down. Pastor, I'm I'm thankful. I'm thanking the Lord this morning for the righteousness of Christ that's been imputed to my account. I'm thanking him this morning. I just want to praise him and worship him in my own heart this morning. Lord, thank you. Father God, we are blessed this morning greatly. Lord, I pray this morning that there just be a joy, even in the midst of a world that is so much and so often in crisis, so many trials and tribulations around us. Lord, I pray even in the midst of all of this, we realize how blessed we are in Christ. Lord, that you place a happiness, a joy, a Christ-honoring joy in our hearts at the salvation that has been accomplished in our lives. Father God, you did that for us. Give us hearts to praise you and honor you for what you've accomplished in our lives. Lord, that you might be glorified in our salvation. Lord, I love you this morning. Thank you so very much for your words. I thank you for our church. Thank you for each one who's come out this morning. Lord, I pray you bless each one for their faithfulness to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let me look up here. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Zach, you come, please tempted to say, you and Samantha come sing that song again, because that was a blessing, but you come. Uh, Our closing song will be number 651. Let's stand together if you're able to. Zach will lead us in 650. Did I have the wrong one? I'm sorry, that's tonight. 323. There we go. 323. Thank you, Mr. Song Leader. Uh, 323. Um, Zach closes in prayer. Uh, Tonight at 6 o'clock, Lord willing, we'll be in Psalm 137. Be here if you can,
0: please. God bless. All right, please do stand with me as we turn to 323. We'll sing the first and the last of Verily, Verily, number 323. The Savior, that he died for me from condemnation, he hath made me free. He that believeth on the Son, saith he, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true everlasting life and the last though all unworthy yet i will not doubt for him that cometh he will not cast out he that believeth all oh, the good news shout hath everlasting life verily verily i say unto you verily verily message ever new he that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. All right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the promise that those of us that do believe in you do have everlasting life. We do pray that you would give us a good afternoon and help us to be back here safely this evening. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.